Welcome to the 10th Injury Report. I am your host, Joe Brenner, recording in lovely Toledo, Ohio this morning. It's been pretty warm the last week, almost uh, even warmer than Hawaii was a week ago. And over that last week, there has not been very many injuries to talk about. The Warriors scare where Steph had his ankle rolling that didn't appear to affect him at all last night what happened before last episode and so did Jason Tatum's stinger reaggravation but there wasn't any more injuries so far in that series and so that and that was closed out so the finals are over we are now one game into the NHL play or uh, Stanley Cup not the playoffs and Bias might come back, and that was pretty much the only big news in the um, NHL. Kidry, is, uh, he, he skated on his own today after his thumb surgery, so I don't know if that means he'll be available in the next couple of weeks. His injury happened short enough ago that the bone is probably not fully healed, but it's the Stanley Cup playoffs and they can probably do something along the lines of pins and really big wrappings. You're not usually supposed to play with pins in, but again, these guys are professionals. So we'll see. As these two sports wind down though, and we'll get into them a little bit later, we will begin with talking about Baseball. We're gonna. I haven't really dove into all of the injuries of baseball season so far, but there are a lot, and a lot of the guys that get baseball injuries are they happen a lot in pitchers from throwing, and then a lot of the quick movements because it's a lot of standing around and then bursts of movement at a, a short time period. So we see a lot of a lot of calf and hamstring injuries in baseball players, uh, especially batters or outfielders who are trying to make a quick move after having stood around for a little while or sat in the dugout. Those are both, remember, muscles that cover two joints and assist in the movement of two joints. The calf actually goes above your knee joint. It attaches, so it assists with the flexion of the lower leg which is kind of what the hamstring is known for, as well as plantar flexion of the foot, which is pushing down like on the gas pedal. And then the hamstring assists in hip, not flexion, but extension. So that's not if you bring your knee up to your chest, it's the other way is extension. And then the leg flexion, the lower leg flexion, which is Uh, butt kicker bringing your heel up to your butt so those two muscles they can get overstrided or over lengthened and then that just causes either a tear or a strain and those are often seen in baseball players because it's you know you're trying to beat out a throw or take off quickly you can just overextend yourself and if those muscles aren't warmed up properly 
And again, it's hard to stay warmed up in these baseball games. You can tweak those muscles more easily. They're a little bit tighter. And it's really a lot of the time a protective measure that your muscles are trying not to let your body overextend. They're not used to being in that state. So that's why warming up is so important. And those are some of the common injuries among baseball hitters and position players. As far as throwing, I'm going to be basing this off of a paper from uh, the Fortenbaugh group. He's a master's student. And then we also have Dr. James Andrews and Dr. Glenn Fleissig, who are MDs and PhDs respectively. And they posted a, or they uh, published an article for athletic training about baseball pitching, biomechanics, and relation to injury risk and performance. So they just pretty much go over the parts of pitching, what is, or not the parts, but the stages of a throw, and then what things could be caught up in those, what parts of the body could be injured there. So assuming we're starting from the Either one really. So we have the wind up, which is just bringing the leg up, rotating the body back, kind of getting that spring loaded, as it were. And then we have the stride where we have foot contact. So now we're exploding into that. We're opening up the hips and we're lengthening the arms apart, making again, we're still the lower body has the sprung, the spring has begun to spring but the upper body is still coiling and getting ready to go it's unwound but trying to be into the spot where there's as much torque as possible for that long body and this is where we start to see the in the arm cocking when the um, upper body starts to rotate as well we start to see the oblique there's a lot of oblique injuries in the pitching world and that's going to be opposite the throwing arm because that is involved in pulling the body forward and twisting it that way because as much as we want to get the bend up and down so that's why pitchers start out up tall and then they're usually bent over at the end they also want to get rotational velocity so they're going to be spinning their body around as well so if you can get the torque both vertically and rotationally, it's just another way to get maximum velocity out of your pitch. And then we have our maximal external rotation, which is a, a high site of um, elbow injury. Now, you can do this with yourself. Most people have a 180 degree external rotation of their shoulder. So if you put your arms out to the side, you lift your shoulders up and then you kind of make like the touchdown sign. If you try to rotate, so you keep your arm out and then you rotate your elbow around. Most people have, and they, so you're pretty much, you start off in the touchdown stance with your arms out and then up making a U or and then you push it down so then it's an upside down you kind of and you keep your arm going out most people have 180 degrees if you're a pitcher for when you were younger and you've had some more force on that external rotation 
Some people, the range isn't greater than 180 degrees, but they just go further. So even though I was a pitcher when I was younger and stuff, mine is pretty much straight up to straight down. I have a little bit. I have pretty much that is my external rotation. Some people have um, the, the pitchers, they'll be able to tend to go further backwards. So my thumb is kind of in line with my ear. Some people can go past that to kind of the back of their head. But that torque right there is a site of vulnerability for the elbow being in that uncomfortable position. And that force being applied is unnatural. And even in, you know, there's not very many places where there's not very many times sports occasions that the body is supposed to experience that much velocity on one part of their that much force in one joint especially like we've talked about before the elbow is a stupid joint it only goes up and down it doesn't it only flex it doesn't you know it has the pronation and supination but it doesn't really go any direction but in and out you know there's no uh, rotation or anything like that <clears throat> so it's a stupid joint it's it's and that's not the way it's supposed to bend that the way that uh, throwing will do that to you. So that's one of the places where the, um, that is the place where the elbow is gets a lot of injuries from and it makes sense and it's not just the fact that these guys can put that much force, it's the repetition too because they don't just go out there and throw a ball you know 15 times they throw it. The starting pitcher is usually expected to throw up to 100 pitches a night, an outing. So might only be once or twice a week, but it is a lot. And then we have, after the ball release, we have the follow-through. That's where we get a lot of lat strains. And that isn't as much because the lat latissimus is being flexed at all. It's just that's a lot of that's where you get a, a lot of stretching and again that's just like the overstride for the hamstring the, the injury doesn't occur when you're trying to pull with the muscle it's when you're trying to stretch and get that extra big stride same thing with pitching if when you're at that max extension and you just went from you know your body's all cocked up one way to just throw trying to throw your arm out of its socket you get that lat just has so much more tension and force on it and you can get another kind of overreach injury just like the hamstring and then we have also talked about how some of the rotator cuff muscles as well you know they they assist in that external rotation internal rotation but they have to hold that humerus in that small joint that it really doesn't fit so you can look up the humeral joint and see that shoulder how the head of the humor really is much much bigger than the joint it's supposed to fit into and those muscles have to hold it there so when that follow-through happens and you're letting your arm you just whipped it as hard as you can those muscles have to fight a little bit to keep that um, muscle head or that um, the bone head in the joint and not let it slip out as well as it just puts a lot of friction in there. If there's any friction at all in that joint, 
that will be increased just by the repetition and the ferocity of that that is happening. So we'll get more into baseball injuries later, especially, you know, the specific ones, but there aren't very, those are some of the common things that we're going to see throughout. And then just to wrap things up, oh, before we wrap things up, uh, the Warriors won their fourth of the last six championships and they just won their fourth last night in game six in Boston wasn't really even close Steph Curry got his first finals MVP and arguably the best player on all four of those teams now he was probably outperformed by Kevin Durant in the two in the middle and he did not get the finals MVP for the first one but he has been a dominant player on the world stage for, I mean, he was gone. He was not in the finals for two years, so it might be four of the last eight he's won. But it's a run not seen since almost Jordan's Bulls when they did six out of eight. These guys have appeared in six out of eight. So a lot of people are throwing around just saying he's in the top ten. He is the top ten. He's in the top ten all time. Nobody's, you know, there's only a handful of guys better than him. And while I agree there's a handful of guys better than him, I just think it's time that we actually look back and see who are the guys that are the top 10 because a lot of people say it, but they don't. it's on us, the other people who disagree, to come up with the list. And I will gladly share my list right now. So this is kind of in order. It's not a super well-researched order. It's just the guys that I think belong in front of Steph. So number one is LeBron, number two is MJ. That's a debate in its own right, but that's where I have those two. Three and four are Magic and Kareem. Five is Bird. Six is Wilt. Seven is Kobe. Eight is Dr. J. Nine is Shaq. Ten is Bill Russell. And 11 is Tim Duncan. Number 12 then will be Steph Curry. And then number 13 is Hakeem Olajuwon, the reason I included all the way to 13 after Steph is because number 14 is the logo, Jerry West. And I think anytime you're in front of the logo, you are, you know, you're still in a great spot. I have Oscar Robertson and Moses Malone behind the logo. And I know that Nick Wright is doing something and he has Jerry West way, way up there, maybe in the 30s, 20s or 30s. But, you know, he, he was in seven or eight finals he only won one but he won one and he is the logo as well so I just think that if you're in front of the logo you're whether you're in the top 10 necessarily again you can argue that stuff might have a better resume than some of these guys I don't think you can but you might want to put him in that top 10 I just think as long as you're in front of the logo that's a good place to be so the other guy that there's two other active players that I think could end up in front of the logo in their time right now, and those are Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic. Now neither one is necessarily close right now. Giannis is closer with his back-to-back MVPs and championship, but I don't think either one is necessarily close. And then for our injured and recovered, we have injured. <clears throat> Stephen A. said something on 
JJ Reddick's podcast about how he got uh, first take, which he did with Skip Bayless off the ground. And now both of them are upset. Skip did this whole thing on his podcast. And what do you expect from Skip? Because he's just a professional BSer. He just finds something and wants to talk about it. So anything to keep him in the news. So I'm sure on some level he appreciated any chance to go at Stephen A. But Stephen A. then apologized and said he would handle it with Skiff off the air. It's really just a funny situation seeing those guys who both just want eyes on them, kind of create that for each other, even though they don't work together anymore. So good for them, but that relationship is injured a little bit. Recovered today, Notre Dame plays Texas after they knocked off number one seed ever, Tennessee, in the Super Regional round before the College Baseball World Series. Tennessee, I guess, had the they're the first team ever to have the best ERA and runs average, something, some hitting stat as well. And Notre Dame beat them in three the other day. And they'll take on Texas today. And they're also, along with UConn, the only teams really north of the south, pretty much, north of maybe Kentucky, that are in the College World Series. So you're, gonna, you're starting to see where... Just having that outside time, the weather, especially in these outdoor sports, it's hard in Ohio, Indiana, Michigan to play baseball year-round. It's not hard, as hard, to play in Georgia, Florida, Texas. So you're starting to see that not only in the high school recruiting, but even in college. So you get those guys stay close to home. There's better players there. Injured is Bruce Smith former Buffalo Bills all-star defensive end in the Hall of Fame. Tony Baselli, who just got into the Hall of Fame from, for the Jaguars, was – he or Bruce Smith complained that the only reason Tony Baselli got into the Hall of Fame is because he kicked Bruce's butt on in a playoff game. And he says that's a that's not a good precedent that just because one guy has a bad game and he's really, really good doesn't mean a guy who had a better game against him and is really good should get into the Hall of Fame. It's a little whiny, and it didn't do him any favors on Twitter because now as a Jaguars fan, my whole timeline is Bruce Smith getting his butt kicked by Tony Vasselli. So it's, I'm excited to have a Jaguar in the Hall of Fame. I want Fred Taylor you know, I didn't really get to watch Tony Baselli. I want Fred Taylor in the Hall of Fame. He's a guy that I think is a little underrated, and he talks about not taking care of his body as well as he probably should have until a little later. But And, you know, didn't really have the team success, but he was a stalwart and a workhorse for some of my early Jaguar favorites. Recovered the Warriors literally after Steph has dealt with injuries, Clay's ACL, they were the worst team in basketball two years ago and drafted Wiseman, who didn't even play this year, so maybe not even recovered all the way. They are back atop the mountain and, as we've already discussed, won their fourth title in eight years and after their sixth appearance. And again, I mean, I was talking about this with some people the other day. Someone said, I don't expect the Warriors to be back. 
And if you look in the West, why don't you? Maybe Dallas, with their big move this week, maybe they become a real team, a real threat. I don't see it happening. Phoenix, I don't think that they're winners. I think that they mustered up as much as they could and took advantage of the situation that they were in last year. And I think that loss in the finals really messed them up. You know, you see a lot of team will have a great season, get to the championship of their respective sport. And then that loss just really hurts their mojo, their moxie, and they just fall apart a little bit mentally later in playoff games. So I don't see Phoenix getting back. We have L.A., the Lakers. I don't think that they're very well built. Across from them downtown in L.A. is the Clippers, who they're another team I think could really make a run. I think that they are going to be well-rested. It's about that time Kawhi pokes his head out. I am not sold on Memphis. I'm not sold on Utah. I'm not sold on pretty much anybody else in the West. It seems like it's just pretty weak right now. In the East, I don't expect the Boston Celtics to be back. I think that not having Middleton this year was pretty rough for the Bucs, and I think they're by far the best team. So I would like to see a Bucs-Warriors finals next year. I think those are two good teams that would be interesting to watch. I love watching Boston. I don't like them. I don't like any of their players. Or I like their coach. I root against Boston with everything I have, but they're fun to watch. They play hard, and when Jason Tatum isn't flopping around on the ground after not being touched, it's it's good basketball, and he's a great shooter. But the Warriors are really fun to watch, and kind of seeing that drastic difference in styles between the Bucks and Warriors would be a lot of fun. Injured, me. I think I said something about how I don't know if there's ever been a Yankees-Mets World Series before, and there definitely has. In 2000, there was the Subway Series. I looked it up after last episode, and that's tough on me. I mean, that's after I was born. I can pretty much do the every NBA champion listed backwards from now all the way to probably 91. I can do pretty close to the same with Super Bowls and... I have a harder time with baseball. I'd like to, you know, I got to just spend some time on the books, get my flashcards out, get that down because that's embarrassing. You know, it's I've only been around for a little over 23 years, so I need to have that uh, a little bit better recall up front there. Recovered is Marcus Freeman after walking back, back some shots. He took at Ohio State's academics. It wasn't a real thing. You know, it wasn't a real bad thing to say I think from the way I understood it he pretty much said you know when I was going to college these weren't these standards weren't the same you know I I, the kids at Notre Dame aren't able to get away with the same things that I was able to get away with at Ohio State and I I saw the first um, reply to one of a tweet about that story it was a lady who said I used to write his Spanish papers and So, you know, maybe he did get away with it, and I'm sure you don't have to. You know, there are definitely ways where if you want to get the most out of your academic opportunities at Ohio State, you can do it all. I mean, Justin Herbert, if you listen to Colin Coward, he was a 4.0 biology major at, or yeah, Oregon. 
And, you know, he was still a first-round draft pick. So you can do both, I'm sure, in a lot of situations. But I think what he's more talking about is the if you don't want to take advantage, it's easier at um, not Notre Dame. I don't even think he meant it as Ohio State. I think he was just meant it as like a not Notre Dame. I think he was just more surprised. And I think already he's a little bit concerned that Notre Dame will be out matched outmanned week one this year as am i and just kind of setting the floor for a moral victory if a scoreboard victory doesn't happen so like i've talked about it before i'm looking forward to not this year but next year for notre dame so if we can get 10 wins this year that would be fantastic injured drake just go listen to his new album you'll understand what i'm saying and then recovered milwaukee Brewers just released their city jerseys, and I think they have a guy grilling on them, grilling out. It's based on Lake Michigan. It's just got MKE on the hat, and then it's uh, a nice light powder blue. They're pretty cool. They are playing well, too. I think after like a 12-game losing streak or something, they're still miraculously a game up or back in the NL Central, so they're not playing well, but they're still fighting for the division. And that is pretty much all I have. Oh, and they say Brew Crew on them, which is very cool as well. So if you're looking for a Father's Day gift and you are a, your dad's a Milwaukee fan like mine is, it's a good thing to think about. All right, enjoy your middle of June weekend, and we'll see you towards the end of June.